Um, I want to ask you today, what gives you hope? What gives you hope? I know that uh, I think there's four of us that are college football fans. Um, and, uh, and yesterday, so that's what I love about it is because I can tell you stories from college football and it's brand new information to most of you. Um, but yesterday there was some amazing stuff, uh, that happened in the college football world. Um, my team is, uh, Mississippi state. That's who I go for. We've been having a very good season until yesterday. And I don't think we knew that we were playing football that day. Um, so they just kind of didn't show up. And uh, so um, I was starting to get hopeful. And then now it's like, yeah, no, no, no. We're back right where we were before. Um, but another team uh, is doing really well this year, and it's Tennessee. Um, and Tennessee has a big rivalry with Alabama. But the thing is, for 15 years straight, Alabama has won the, that rivalry. Um, and so for 15 years, Tennessee has not beaten Alabama until yesterday. Um, and so uh, I, am, I have a lot of, see, I went to university in the state of Tennessee, so I have a lot of friends on Facebook who are Tennessee fans. And then I was a pastor in Alabama for many years, and so I have a lot of Facebook friends who are Alabama fans. Uh, so it's very fun to watch all of them posting um, about their their different views on on these things. Um, but one thing was for certain this year going into that game was the Tennessee fans had a whole lot more hope than they've had the last 15 years um, because they knew they had a good team this year and that they've been playing very well. Um, and sure enough, it was a very good game. It was a shootout. There is just, you know, at one point it was just like, yeah, whoever has the ball last is probably going to win because they're just scoring like crazy. It set all these records for like point score and all this kind of stuff. Um, anyway, uh, came down to the end of the game. Alabama's uh, kicker had a chance to win the game and he missed the field goal uh, with like 30, 40 seconds left. Um, Tennessee got the ball, uh, threw two passes, and then kicked a field goal and made it. Um, and so they won the game that way. Their whole stadium erupted. Uh, there's over 100,000 fans were in the stadium. More than that were in town just for the game. Uh, everybody stormed the field. They're tearing down the goalpost. And uh, apparently it's a big Tennessee thing to smoke cigars. Uh, so they all had cigars out and uh, they're, they're really uh, just having a great time celebrating um, because what they had hoped for had come true. Um, they had hoped that this would happen. And, uh, and finally, after 15 years of losing to Alabama, they finally won. And so they are, are very excited and it uh, brought them a lot of joy. But I'll tell you, as a Christian, my hope is not in football. Okay? Yes. Um, and my joy, my joy is not dictated um, by 19-year-old athletes. Um, and so... While I uh, appreciate and am excited for my Tennessee friends um, and their, their joy, uh, Brittany came in last night as I was watching the Mississippi State game and she said, so how's it going? And I said, well, with life or with football? 
And uh, she said, both. I said, football, not good. Life, great. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, today in Daniel, we are going to wrap up uh, Daniel. And uh, I know that that's a surprise to some of you that we've gone this quickly um, through a book of the Bible. Um, I know in, uh, when we said last week that we're doing Genesis next, so we'll start Genesis next Sunday. Um, there were some, some questions about how many years that's going to take. Um, and, and we will see. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're in Daniel um, chapter 12 and we're wrapping up Daniel today. And it's a beautiful picture in Daniel 12 of what the Christian's hope is found in. Um, if you remember kind of where we've been the last two weeks in Daniel, Daniel 10, Daniel is very distraught and he's praying, and he's fasting. And uh, we think most likely based on the time when he was doing this, this was because the temple was being rebuilt and then it had stopped. And he was very sad. He's very upset. Uh, and then this man in white came to him and the white linen uh, came to him who I believe to be Jesus. And Jesus came to him and, and spoke to him. And that's what we looked at in uh, Daniel 11, uh, was what, what Jesus started to tell him about, hey, um, here's all the bad stuff that's still going to happen, was basically Daniel 11. So I hope you walked away very encouraged last week um, of just all the bad stuff that was still to happen. But we saw that, that God was, he knew what was coming. He told Daniel what was coming and it happened. Leading up to, we left off at the end of Daniel 11 with, with the entrance of the Antichrist, who I believe is still yet to come in the way that it's depicted in Daniel 11. And what's even better is what we get to in Daniel 12. And so this whole thing has been one big dialogue leading up to this point of, of Jesus telling him, he's like, hey, you're worried about the temple. You're worried about this. Well, here, here, I'm still in control. I'm still working things out according to my plan. I'm still working all of this out. And then in Daniel 12, he just paints the huge picture for us. I found it kind of funny that that little video clip for Hebrews, I agree with what, what she was saying in there, um, but what she was talking about the Old Testament being like a, a room with the, with the lights barely on, I feel like in Daniel 12, like the floodlight of everything is just comes on in this chapter um, of the full gospel, of the full everything of the reality of the world, of Jesus, of everything that's going to happen is just so bright and so illuminated here in Daniel 12. And so um, as we look at this, I just want us uh, to be encouraged to say, hey, yeah, here's where our hope is found. Here is what we can be excited about. Here's where we can find joy. So Daniel 12, starting in verse 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who is charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation until that time. So more of the, hey, it's going to be tough. It's going to be bad. There's tough stuff to go through. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Everyone whose name shall be written in the book. Again, here in the Old Testament, he doesn't say everyone who's a descendant of Abraham. He doesn't say everyone who's an Israelite. He doesn't say all the Jews. He doesn't say uh, the tribe of Judah. He doesn't say the southern kingdom. He doesn't say the northern kingdom. He doesn't say any of that. When Jesus is talking to him, he says, hey, here's everyone who's going to be delivered. Everyone whose name is written in the book. 
And so that should make us ask, well, well, what book? This sounds like a pretty important book, right? Like this book's a pretty big deal. Um, and we also see this book over in the New Testament. We see this book um, over in Revelation. In Revelation 17, 8, it says this. The beast you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the, the beast because it was and is not and is to come. Other places throughout Revelation, it talks about this book as the book of life. It, it, it talks about it as the book of the, uh, the book of, of the lamb, the lamb's book of life is what it's called. And we know the lamb to be none other than Jesus Christ. And here in this passage is telling us that, hey, yeah, there are people whose name is in the book and there's people who their name is not in the book. And it's black and white. It's not like a gray, like maybe it's in there or maybe it's not. No, it's very clear. Like these people, their name is in the book and these people, their name is not in the book. And through Revelation, we see that hope is found for those whose name is in the book. Here in Daniel, we see that there is great things. There is deliverance that is found for those whose name is in the book. Because those who belong to Jesus can find hope in the fact that their name is written in this book. When we look at the totality of scripture, we know that those who are saved, those who are delivered, those who are rescued, are those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Those who know him to be their Lord and Savior. Those who have said, I am a sinner, I am guilty. I'm guilty of sin, I'm guilty of wrongdoing before God. I am deserving of punishment. But yet I believe that Jesus took that punishment on himself when he died on the cross. That Jesus took the, the, he paid the price that I owe, the death that I owe for my sin, and he took care of it on that cross. And I know that that payment was received because he rose from the dead and defeated sin and death, and he's done that for me, and he's brought new life to my life. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ because of him, because of what he's done. And if that's happened in your life, if you know that to be the case, then what you can also know to be true is the fact that your name is written in his book. And he tells us in Revelation that, that he protects that book. Nobody blots a name out of that book. Different places in scripture it talks, you know, you can kind of say like, is this saying that a name could be removed from the book? But he makes it very clear that no, I am Jesus. I'm in charge over this book and I defend every name in there. That passage we just read said that from the foundation of the world, those whose names are not in there have not been in there. I take that to mean those whose names are in there have been in there from the foundation of the earth. So I believe that means that God, since before he created everything, if you're a Christian, he knew you. He knew you. He knew you were going to place your faith in him. He chose you and he said, you are mine. Your name is written in the book. And so Christian, be encouraged that before our creator made everything, he knew you and he selected you and he said, you are mine. 
your name is in my book. And here in Daniel, well, before I get back to that, let's do a look at Revelation 20 and let's see what it says there. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, um, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. See, there's very tragic, a very tragic outcome that comes for those whose name is not in the book. But for those whose name is in the book, there's deliverance, there's rescue, there's hope. And going back here to Daniel, it says this, and many of those who were asleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Does that sound just like Revelation? Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Some are going to be when the resurrection happens, when Jesus comes back and he brings everyone back. Some are going to be raised to everlasting life with him. Those whose name is in the book. Those whose name's not in the book are going to be raised to contempt and shame. And this is the stark reality of what we see in Scripture. This is not popular today. We, we kind of prefer more of the like, hey, you know, God just loves everybody and everybody's going to be okay because that makes us feel better, right? But that's not what Scripture says. That's not what God has revealed to us. He said that, hey, there's a very real reality of heaven. There's a very real reality of an eternal lake of fire. And those whose name is in the book, they're going to be with him in heaven for everlasting life. Those whose name is not in the book are going to be an eternal lake of fire. And from this, we can know this. For the Christian, this right here, right now, is as bad as it gets. This life is as bad as it gets. For the Christian, it only gets better from here. Right? For the non-Christian, this life right here, right now, is as good as it gets. It only gets worse from here. For those who know Jesus, things only get better. For those who know him as their Lord and Savior, they have eternity with him, eternal life, and his perfection to look forward to. Those who don't, this is the best you got. And so I want to ask you, where are you? Because for the Christian, things only get better, but for the non-Christian, things only get worse. And so where are you? Sorry, Bruce, I'm kind of jumping around on slides on you. I'm going to go back up and pick up that other verse. 
We'll read verse two again. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. What did Jesus say? You're the light of the world. Here in Daniel, he told him, he said, hey, those, those who are mine, they're going to shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and behold, two others stood, one on this bank in the stream and one on the other bank of the stream. So the natural question at this point is when? When is this going to happen, right? Like Daniel was distraught. He's praying over the temple and the halt of the temple being happening right then, right there. And he's already been given him this roadmap of like 400 years of, of different dictators that were going to rule and all this kind of stuff. And the, so the natural question is when? When is this going to happen? And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. And he raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. So you got it? When's it going to happen? When's Jesus coming back? Time, times, and half a time, obviously, right? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know exactly what those mean. But for the Christian, we're anxiously awaiting it. We look forward to that day when Jesus is coming back because at exactly the right time, Jesus is coming back and people will be raised either to eternal life or eternal punishment. That's where our hope is found as the Christian. We talk about our hope being found in the cross, but ultimately our hope is found in what the cross secured for us. The future that's ahead of us. We're not just looking back with joy on like, oh yay, Jesus died. No, we look forward in joy of, oh yay, Jesus rose from the dead and I get to spend eternity with him. And that's what we look forward to. And so whether we're going through situations like we're going through here or whether we're going through situations like Daniel's going through in his life, whatever kind of situation you find yourself in, here's where you can find hope. Here's where you can find joy. And if you don't know that hope, if you don't know that joy, I encourage you today, cry out to Jesus and ask him, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died on a cross. I believe that you rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to make me right with you so that I can be in eternity with you. I encourage you today to say that prayer, to mean it from your heart and to ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Today, your life can be changed. Today, you can be made new. Don't put it off any longer. You can have that right now. You say, well, you don't know what I've done, Wayne. You don't know how bad I am. You don't know all the sin I've racked up. Jesus is perfect. As bad as you might be, that's how much better he is. And he can take care of all of your mess.
And so come to Jesus today. And, and if that whole like book of life thing is confusing you, hear this. If you come to Jesus today, you know what that means? Your name's been in that book all along. It's part of his plan. He's there for you. He loves you. And he cares about you. So I encourage you today to come to Jesus so that you have eternal life to look forward to. You have that joy to look forward to. Have you ever approached scripture, maybe, especially these last six chapters of Daniel, and you're just kind of like, I have no idea what this is talking about. Anybody? Ever just read and you're like, huh? Well, you're in good company because here Daniel says in verse eight, um, he says this. I heard, but I did not understand. Those are very encouraging words to me as a student of scripture. I mean, Daniel's the one sitting here getting all of this direct revelation from Jesus himself. <laughs> After three chapters of it, he comes to the point, he's like, I heard, but I did not understand. <laughs> and he says, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And so here's the instructions that he has given. He's just been given all of this view into the future. All of here's what's about to come. Here's the whole roadmap of world powers and everything that's about the people that are fighting each other and everything leading all the way up into the Antichrist that's to come in the future and the fact that he's defeated. And, and then this is what Daniel's told to do with this. Go your way, Daniel. Go your way, Daniel. For the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. And many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Because blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way to the end, and you shall rest, and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. And so here's what Daniel is told to do with all this. Go your way. Keep living your life. Keep living your life. Keep following me. Keep serving me in righteousness. As Daniel has modeled all through this book, so Christian, go your way and live your, way, your life the way that God wants you to. This is the best thing that you can do. Go your way and follow Jesus is another way to say that. But I've noticed I'm wearing a very nice shirt today. It says follower. These are our baptism shirts we have here at the church. Because Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus. And so we, we celebrate whenever we get to baptize someone that, hey, here is a follower of Jesus. This isn't about that person. This is about them following Jesus. And Jesus said in the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And so as we approach baptism in a moment, we approach it with the excitement 
of getting to see someone taking this step of saying, yes, I am following Jesus. But here, here in Daniel, it said, um, many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. What we're celebrating in baptism is the fact that someone has come to Jesus to be purified. That their sin, their filthiness has been washed away. That Jesus has taken that sin upon himself. He nailed it on the cross and he dealt with it. And he said, it is finished. And so as George comes in just a bit, he's coming to stand before you to say, Jesus has taken my sin. I have been washed clean. This doesn't wash George clean. But this tells all of us that he has been washed clean. That his sin has been removed, that his sin has been taken away, and that all of it is gone. He's been completely cleaned from head to toe by Jesus Christ himself. That his sin is removed. And so as we approach baptism in a moment, that's why we're doing it, is because George is here to say, I am a follower of Jesus. This is what he's done for me. I know that my name is in his book because I've placed my faith in Jesus and what he's done on the cross. And this is a great encouragement for the rest of us as Christians because as we, we approach this time, anyone who's been baptized, what this does is this takes you back in your mind to that moment when you were baptized. When you were able to proclaim to the world, yes, I have been washed, I have been made clean. I have been made new by Jesus Christ himself. And I am following him with my life. My life is his. My life is in his hands. And that's the commitment that George is making today as he stands before you to do this, is that he's saying, I have been made clean, but I'm going to do my best to walk in righteousness and following Jesus from this point. Will he fail? Yes. Do all of us fail? Yes. And that's where Jesus' grace and his blood covers us. But that doesn't change the fact that we strive to follow him in righteousness because we want to be the light that Daniel talks about here. We want to be that light that points many others to him, that we might be like the stars of the sky, as it says here in Daniel. So I want to ask you today, Christian, how are you doing at being a light? How bright is your star? Are you showing other people the way to Jesus? Are you walking in obedience to him? Is there a step in, in your life, in your faith journey that you need to take, that you know the Lord's telling you to take, that you've been holding back on? How long are you going to wait? I don't want to get to that point of eternity with him and be like, oh man, I really wish I'd done that back then. Right? Right? And I don't, I don't think we're going to have guilt and shame in that point. But I do encourage you to put your hope and your trust in something that's going to last. And that's Jesus. Because as excited as all of my Tennessee fan friends are right now, here's the reality. They will be disappointed again. I speak that as a true Mississippi State fan. We are frequently disappointed. 
And so I tell you that if your hope is in things of this earth, if your hope is in football teams, if your hope is in work, if your hope is in life, school, whatever, grades, whatever you might place your hope in, sports, you're going to be disappointed. But if your hope is in Jesus Christ, you will not be disappointed because he stands for all eternity and he can take care of you from this point forward.